Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us again this week. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message with Senior Pastor Broderick Santiago. If you'd like to learn more information about this ministry, we encourage you to visit our website, www.wearemosaicchurch.org. Mindset about bad religion, so you don't want to miss a single week. And I may have some other special guests join us, so just just. Come and stick around. And, and guess what? If you have friends, here it is. I need your help. If you have friends that have given up on the church, those are the people that need to hear this message. If you have people who've been hurt by the church, those are people that need to hear this message. I don't want you to just go after your atheist friends. I want you to go after your friends who once believed in the power and the presence and the relevance of the bride of Christ. Those are people who need to be here for this message. I want to I talk about this, and I want to be totally transparent with everything we say. So let me pray really quick and jump into this word. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to share your word today. These are your words. I pray that I don't add anything personal to it, and I don't take anything sacred from it. And so, God, I just pray that I keep it as authentic as it is presented. God, let your power, let your word speak truth to power today. Let your words, O oh God, bypass the ears of the listener and penetrate their hearts, O oh God. Let there be epiphany moments, O oh God, eye-opening moments where they say, I didn't know that that's what Christians really believe. I haven't seen it, but I'm glad I hear it from the messenger today, Pastor Broderick Santiago. So God bless these words that are yours. Bless me, your son, your messenger, in Jesus' name, amen. Today is the intro. We can't talk about bad religion until we kind of identify what religion is. Uh, we can't talk about bad religion until we understand what religion is. And oftentimes when you hear people talk about religion, the first thing they think about is either Christianity, uh, Islam, uh, 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 Judaism, or sometimes Buddhist. So when you think of religion, people think the, uh, of being a part of an organization or being a part of an institution, but it's greater than that because here it is, you could have religion and don't know it because you don't know the definition. Like, watch this, being a non-believer makes you be a part of a religion. You are a part of the religion of non-believers, right? Uh, be, being an atheist makes you have religion because here's the definition. Religion is simply a set of beliefs, a form of worship, ritual, prayer, and a code of moral behavior. See what I'm saying about being an atheist? Even they have a code of moral behavior. See what I'm saying about people who say they're non-believers? Even they have some set of beliefs. What do they believe? Well, I don't believe in God, but I believe in nature. You know, the people that burn sage, even they have a religion. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about the Christians that burn sage. I'm talking about anybody, right? 
right? A set, religion is simply this, y'all, a set of beliefs. It's a form of worship. And I, and I get it. We got so much work to do because when, when you hear the word worship, everybody's mind automatically thinks singing. When you hear the word worship, every, either your mind goes to singing or praying. But worship is, 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 is more than just singing or praying. Worship is, is, is adoration for Christians to Jesus and God. For atheists, worship is whatever they believe for the day. Agnostic, the same thing. Every, it's a, religion is a set of beliefs, a form of worship, ritual. Now, this is where we separate those who, who don't believe in prayer and prayer and a moral and a, mo, and a code of moral behavior. I think all of us here have that. Today and over these next several weeks, I want to talk about bad religion from the standpoint of Christianity because many people have received uh, an, a, a dose of what we call bad religion from those who claim to be Christians. Bad religious worship and practices, beloved, has caused divisiveness, has caused mass exodus, and has even caused hatred toward the church. Uh, When people have experienced church hurt, it is more often than not the result of bad Christian religion expression. Catch what I just said. When people have experienced church hurt, it is more often than not the result of bad Christian religious expression. In other words, we, 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 we say one thing but do another. We, we, we preach love. We preach peace, but we're, we're, we're not so, so quick to, to extend it. We, we preach forgiveness, but we're not so quick to extend forgiveness. In other words, we fail to love and extend grace as Christians. So when people have experienced church hurt, it is more often than not the result of bad Christian religious expression. When people have accused the church of being hypocritical, they're simply saying that our orthodoxy is not in sync with our orthopraxy. Okay, I just used some seminary words, but I like them, so that's why I like them, use them. And plus, my wife uses them, and I like when my wife uses words that, that sound good. So let me break that down. In other words, the beliefs that we preach about are not evident in what we walk out. Our orthodoxy doesn't line up with our orthopraxy. What we preach about does not line up with what we walk out. I felt like I was in a, in a Johnny Cochran moment rhyming. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, uh, 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 you know, an MC. We preach love your neighbor as yourself, yet we are selective with who our neighbors are. We preach tithe and offering, yet we overlook injustice. We preach Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, but we but 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 attempt to sway people toward one political party over another. We preach about strongholds of sin, yet we use specific sins to build a wall between them and us. Our orthodoxy is not in sync with our orthopraxy. What comes out of our mouth doesn't look like what we walk. 
Uh, it doesn't look like the lifestyle that we walk. So, 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 so let me give you some scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 34. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 34 says this. And this is Jesus speaking. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruits will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. I could stop there and preach just from that right there. A tree is identified by its fruit. In other words, you know why people don't like the church today? Because we've been producing bad fruit. You know why people judge the church today in America? Because the fruit we're producing looks nothing like the seed from where it came from. The people have an issue with the church today because the fruit we're producing doesn't look like the seed that it came from. In other words, it doesn't look like what's on the packet. If I go to Home Depot, my wife is gardening right now. She loves to garden. And so when my wife goes to Home Depot or wherever she goes to get, to get seeds to plant something new, if she gets a packet and that packet says tomatoes, when she plants that seed, she's expecting what to come out? Tomatoes. If I open up the Bible and I call myself a Christian and I, and I say I love Jesus and I walk a life that's supposed to look like Jesus, what do you expect to see? You should see someone that looks like Jesus. You should see someone that loves like Jesus. You should see someone that forgives like Jesus. You should see someone that looks closely to the one we read about in the Bible. If I say I'm a follower of Christ... I have to look like Christ. Now, some of y'all are all, I get it. Some of y'all are like, you know what? No, no, no. You know, so you're, not, you're trying to tell us that we should all be carpenters? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about image. I'm talking about works. And that's where it's, and it's so, and the thing is, it's easy to be a Christian, believe it or not. We make it hard. It's so easy to be a Christian. If I'm looking on, well, how do I be a Christian? To be a Christian means to be Christ-like, meaning, in other words, I'm trying to be like Christ. Well, how do I be like Christ? Well, first of all, let me see what his life looked like. I'm going to start there. And then second to that, let me see what he said my life should look like. I'm going to continue there. Then I'm going to look and see, well, what did the people who walk with him, what did they do after he left? I'm going to see how their life looked like. So now I've got three biblical models on how I should live my life. Plain and simple. But we add things in between. We add our own personal preferences. We add our own personal biases. We add our own personal traditions. And guess what? The people look up at us and say, you know what? Y'all don't look like the fruit of Jesus. Y'all supposed to be Christ-like, but you look nothing like Christ. Even Gandhi, who spent the latter part of his years on this earth studying intently the life of Jesus. Do you all know this man knew about Jesus so well? Uh, he was quoted by so many great Christians. But do you know this about Gandhi? He never became a Christian himself. Knew Jesus better than some pastors. Knew Jesus better than many theologians. 
and biblical scholars, but the man never made a devotion to Christ. And it wasn't because of what he found out about Christ. It was because of the people who said they were supposed to be looking and acting like Christ. He decided to never, ever be a part of faith. He devoted his life to understanding Christ. He devoted his heart to loving on Christ, but he refused to get involved with the bride of Christ because of the people who were connected. And how many people right now have left the church or refused to go to church, not because of Christ, but because of the people who are a false representation of Jesus Christ? Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28 says this. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Pause for a moment. I had to look at that text and be like, wait a minute. Hold on, Doc. Weren't the Pharisees teachers of religious law? Who else was you talking to? Who, who are you addressing in this particular pericope? Another seminary term. That just means scripture. Okay, I, I just feel seminarian today. Bear with me. I almost wore my collar, but I said no. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees, another group of teachers and devout, devoted people to religious law. Then he says, next word, hypocrites. And I love when he does this. He puts an exclamation point behind it. He like, basically, that's Jesus's way of cussing. Seriously. That's like, you hypocrites. That's Jesus' way of having an explicative, y'all know the word, explicative. He said, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Jesus is going all the way off. He said, outwardly, you look righteous, like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And guess what, beloved? I want, don't you dare start talking about evangelicals. I'm talking to you too. I'm talking to you so holier than thou people. I'm talking to you who point out the sin of people who walk into your church every day, but you have stopped looking in the mirror. I'm talking to you people who cause judgment on people because of what they've done or not done, but yet you are not looking at who you judge today. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you people, you religious people, you holier than thou people who refuse to see your own mess because you're so blinded. By your devotion to your traditions. Oh, you religious people. I'm talking to you today. You, 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 you teachers of religious law. And guess who Jesus is talking to? He's not just, he already discussed that he's talking about the Pharisees. And of course, we can also add the, the Sadducees and maybe even the Essenes and all of those other people. But he's really talking about people who go around talking about, here it is, how good God is. How great God is. He's talking about those same people who were going to the temple and putting their offering in there and sticking their chest out, being peacock proud, but yet they were not serving everybody. He's talking about these people who were so holy, but they forgot the more important matters like love and justice. He's, he's talking about these people right here 
that could quote scripture and quote the laws better than anybody else. But they failed to love. Sound familiar? Some of y'all just looked, some of y'all just looked in your family. You just identify somebody in your family who always praying, who always thanking you, Jesus, who always speaking in tongues and laying hands, but they haven't forgiven you for something small that you did to them. Yeah, they don't look much like Christ right now, do they? Some, some of you all can just cut on CNN or Fox News or whatever your choice of terrible media you would like to watch right now and get misinformation about, about what Christianity looks like, right? Because there's one party that says, well, if you voted that way, you're not Christian. And there's another party that says, hey, you know what? We want everybody to just do whatever they want, but I am still Christian. There has to be a, a balance here. So when, when we talk about hypocrites, they fall on both sides, they, they, they fall on both sides of the political aisle. They fall on both sides of those who are in the religious world and who are outside of it. They, we are all hypocrites. I've been accused of being a hypocrite, and, and I, I, eat, I eat that. Sometimes my words don't match my actions, but guess what? I'm human, but that's where I can repent and ask for forgiveness and turn away from my wicked ways and let God restore my land. James chapter 1, verse 26, verse 26 through 27 says this. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. I wish it was mine. Sis said, that's a good word. I'm like, I wish that was my word, but that's, isn't that so beautiful? It don't, it, it's God's word spoken through his brother James. It's, 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 it's Jesus' word. It's, it's, it's God's word spoken through the brother of Jesus, James, who says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. And it's funny because when people use this scripture, all they're talking about is speaking bad about people. All they're talking about is, 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 is using bad language and controlling your... No, what he's saying is, if you claim to be religious, <laughs> come on, come on. If you claim to be religious, but yet you, you, you're not speaking. If you claim to be religious and you're speaking this way, but you're not living the way you're speaking, then your religion is worthless. That's what he's saying. And that's what he's saying about watching your tongue. So if you don't plan on living like you talk about, living the life that you talk about, shut up. That's what he's saying. Because your religion is worthless. If you're talking about forgiveness, but you're still holding a grudge, shut up. Your religion is worthless. If you're talking about love, but you still have hatred in your heart toward any human being, shut up. Because your religion is worthless. If you're judging people because of their lifestyle, but you're not looking at your own lifestyle, yeah, you might be holy now, but come on, I know where you've been. Because I saw you there. I was there too. Shut up. Come on, somebody. He said, watch your tongue. You, you talk, in other words, you talk a good game, but you're not, in the words of, 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 of one of the rappers back in the day, Master P, you're not about it, about it. Shout out to my New Orleans folks. You talk a good game, but you don't look like what you talk about. Shut up. He says, because here it is. 
pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You know what's so powerful about this, this, this particular scripture? This is not a New Testament phenomenon. Talking about widows and orphans, this is not a New Testament phenomenon. You know, you can go to Deuteronomy and there, there, there's a law where God says, take care of the widows and the orphans. Uh, this is not, this has been uh, on the heart of God from the very beginning. Now, now I'm about to fix this for you very holy people. Uh, he was literally, God was literally, James was literally talking about women who no longer had a husband and children who were abandoned by parents. He was. But let's speak from a spiritual standpoint. Who are those people in society today that we ignore? Watch this, widows and orphans, people that are without a covering. True religion is taking care of people without a spiritual covering. Not just, listen, it's one thing to just feed homeless people, but it's another thing to pray for homeless people. And too many of y'all got food pantries, but you, want, <laughs> but you ain't praying. You ain't leading nobody into the kingdom. You're giving them food and sending them on your way, taking your photos and putting them on your social media and website saying, look at what my church is doing. But are you leading them to the kingdom? We help those two. We do the same. But it's not enough to just stop there. We're going overseas and we're building orphanages in third world countries, but we're abandoning the orphans here that are trapped in the foster care system in America. Uh, And and I'm all, hear me, hear me, beloved, I'm all for adoption. But there are people in this country, children in this country that will never have a permanent home because we'd rather go overseas to help them and not help those here. I get it. You're afraid to have to adopt a crack baby because you don't want to deal with that. But you go overseas and prefer to adopt one of those kids. We have a need here. True religion. James doesn't say true religion is going overseas to help. Yeah, we should do that too. But he's saying right here in your backyard, taking care of widows and orphans. There are a lot of women that are without covering. There are a lot of men that are without covering. There are a lot of children that are without parents. True religion is taking care of them, those in the flesh, here it is, and those in the spirit. Because a lot of you, can I be honest? Hello. I'm talking to you in the camera, yeah. You know who's an orphan? If you ain't been to church in two years, you're an orphan. You don't have a church home. You don't have spiritual parents. Being honest. True religion is reaching out to you. Listen, listen, listen here. If you've never, ever been a part of the church, you're an orphan. I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm trying to help you so you can say, is that me? Yes, it's you. But guess what? You're welcome here. You don't have to. Here it is. You don't have to believe to belong. You don't have to behave well to belong here at Mosaic Church. Matter of fact, this is a place for imperfect people. So if you're perfect, you need to go to the church down the street. I want the flawed. I want the jacked up. I want to hang with who Jesus hung out with. Bible says he, let me show you some of the people Jesus hung out with in case you didn't know. He had Peter, who was a great fisherman, but Peter would cut you in a second. So I know Peter was Puerto Rican. 
Okay, that's a, that's a joke. I'm Puerto Rican. I can say that. If you're not Puerto Rican, you can't say that. Okay? I'm just playing. Listen, but seriously, Peter had issues with anger management, but he also had issues with doubt. He had self-esteem issues. Who else, who else did Jesus hang out with? Uh, tax collector. They, and, and, and according to the Bible, they were considered worse than sinners. Who, who else did Jesus hang out with? Uh, uh, he hung out with politicians. Really? Yeah, for real. Like one of, the, one of his disciples was a zealot. Do you know who the zealots were at that time? They were political figures. They were political people. I didn't know that. You're welcome. That's free. I'm going to charge you for the next nugget I give you. All right? These were people who were his early disciples, zealots, tax collectors, worse than sinners, people with anger management issues, people that had doubting things. And watch this. And a thief. Yeah, yeah, the thief. His name was Judas. Yeah, a thief and a traitor. These are the people who Jesus hung out with. How come not one of the 12 that he chose to hang out with were experts of religious law? How come not one of the 12 he chose to hang out with were Pharisees or Sadducees? Why? Why? Why is that? Anybody ever wonder that? Because guess what? He's trying to show you. You would rather just hang out with people who are like you. I want to hang out with just Christians. You, you ask people, are you Christian? Uh, uh, you would only rather go where only Christians go. You want to do only things that only Christians do. That, and, and, and here it is, and you pray against other people. Some of you, I'm, I'm about to get really, really ugly here. Some of y'all are so, so, so fanatic in your religious dogma. Here it is that you pray against other religions. And I'm here, I'm, 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 watch this. If you stick around for the next couple weeks, you're going to see something. Jesus didn't do that. I'm going to present to you several examples of where Jesus actually said people who didn't even believe in him or followed him said he had never seen faith like that in all of Israel. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me you, not even the people you hang with have that kind of faith? It was people who believed in different gods and different religions that Jesus made that statement about. Stick around. I'm not going to tell you right now. I'm just setting you up. You got to come back to hear the whole story. But we, we're selective with who we hang out with. We're selective with who we choose to, to extend love to. We're selective. But pure religion is, here it is, taking care of widows and orphans in their time of distress. Anybody who is without a covering falls into that category. And guess what, beloved? I was there and you were there before too. The answer, my brothers and sisters, and I only got about nine minutes left, the answer to bad religion is not no religion. So all of you people who've left the church because you've had a bad church experience, the answer to that is not no religion at all. I'm giving up on religion altogether. That's not the answer. The answer to, to, to bad religion is, quote, unquote, good religion. I hate to say it. It's simple. It's good religion. So let me explain what I mean. What did Matthew 12, 33 say? A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. So what do you mean by that? So we have to, here it is, produce good fruit. And what I love about Mosaic Church is that we are producing good fruit. Now, we're not perfect. We're not perfect, but one of the things that I love when people come visit our church and people who watch us online, it's crazy how people could say this, is that they feel the love. 
They feel the authenticity of this church. One of the things I also love, and it's not for me, it's not braggadocious on me, it's just who I am, is that when pe- people, people say, you know what? You, like, you, you're real and you're raw. Like, I, you don't hold nothing back. You, 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 I love your authenticity. And I'm not trying to impress you. I'm just trying to show you. That's why I like listening to Tracy's testimonies. Because y'all hear this woman singing like the angels in heaven, but y'all don't know the hell she's been through to get to this point. I love when she tells her testimony because some of (laughs) y'all think that you have to be super holy to belong. And that's not the case. The more flawed you are, the more qualified God will see you to be used. Look who he hung out with. Flawed people. He chose them. Watch this. And then God had the audacity to choose Paul to continue to build this thing. Okay, y'all, y'all don't know. Y'all remember Paul? Okay, he used to be Saul. He was the one that was going like to the political leaders, asking them to sign like papers so that he can literally kick in the door of Christians, drag them out by their hair, sometimes even kill them and persecute them. Why? Because they believed in Jesus. I didn't know that part of the story. That's okay. Y'all read your history books. But Paul, literally, they kicked in doors of followers of this movement called the way, which today we call Christianity, dragged women out by their hair while the baby was still suckling on their breasts. That's what Paul did. Beat them into denying Christ. Y'all don't know that part of the story, but you got to do biblical history to see that. He was a tyrant. And God said, I, hey, uh, hey, Paul, why, why you hurt my church, man? Like, what I do to you? Like, like, for real, dude, what I do to you? Tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. Boom, you're blind. You want to see again? Represent me. Because I want you to see through holy eyes, not religious law eyes. This is why he chose Paul. Because Paul had only saw the world through these religious eyes. Paul tells you that he was from the tribe of Benjamin. He knew his pedigree. Paul was very versed. He had memorized the Torah by the time he was 13 years old. He knew scripture well. But God says, you know what? You are looking at all of these people through your religious eyes. I'm going to blind you and then I'll give you sight once you come with me. And the scales fell off. So how do we... What is good religion? Three points, and I'm done right here. Good religion, number one, prioritizes love. Good religion prioritizes love. How do I know that? Jesus asked the Father while he was hanging up on the cross, forgive, he asked the Father to forgive his abusers and accusers while he was hanging up on the cross. That's love. Because I'm telling you right now, if I'm on the cross and I know I got all power in my hand, I'm like, God, destroy every single one of those. Who almost said something in the church this morning. Kill them all and their mamas too. <laughs> I ain't, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm glad I don't have the power of Jesus because I would have abused that kind of power. But Jesus is like, Father, I know they spat on me. 
Father, I know, I know Jesus lied on me. <laughs> Father, I know they made up this cockamamie story about me. But Father, will you do me a huge favor? I, I, I could ask you to take care of my mama who's right there. But, but, but God, I want you to do me a favor. <laughs> I could ask you to just watch over those who were my sheep. But that's not what I want you to do with my last breath. God, here it is. Father, forgive those who abused me and those who lied on me and accused me. Forgive them. For they know not what they do. Good religion prioritizes love. Like the, like the saints that had gathered at Mother Emmanuel Church in South Carolina, sat through an entire Bible study with a man who had only hatred in his heart for them because of the color of their skin. Shot and killed up all of them except for one because he wanted the one to tell the story about why he did it because he wanted to, fire, to start a race riot. And what does the family have the audacity to do? Love him and ask for forgiveness toward him. Or I could talk about both them John's mother, I mean his brother, Botham Jean, the, 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 the young man that was in his house, in his own apartment, enjoying a bowl of ice cream in the middle of the night like I like to do sometimes, and just minding his own business. But this officer uh, apparently went into the wrong apartment and shot and killed this guy. And oh my goodness, and what does Botham Jean's brother do at the hearing? Come here, murderer. Can I hug you? Ooh, it got quiet because some of y'all like, I would have, on both sides, I would have slapped. Some of y'all are like that. But good religion prioritizes love, and that's what they did. Two, good religion builds bridges, not walls. Good religion builds bridges and not walls. How do I know that? Well, look at what Jesus did. The Bible says he fed 5,000 people the first time. That was 5,000 men plus some children and women, right? Do you all know where he was geographically when he did that? He was in the Jewish section of town. So he fed 5,000 Jewish people, men plus some Jewish women and children. But do you all know he did it a second time? Just keep on reading the Bible. He fed 4,000 men and some women and children. Now, let me fix it for y'all. Do y'all know who those people were? Gentiles. Gentiles. So he fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. 5,000 Jew, 5,000 Gentile. People who did not believe like the Jewish people did. Why? Because he says, y'all have created this wall between these two wonderful people that God loves on both sides equally. But guess what? I'm building a bridge. This is why, watch this, the first miracle that happened when Jesus gave up his breath, there was a wall that was built. It was a wall called the curtain, and the curtain was a thing that separated common people from the holy of holies. In other words, there was a place inside the temple, uh, a place that was just designated for the high priest to go and atone for your sins once a year. But when Jesus died upon that cross and he gave his very last breath, they say the wall, the curtain that separated common people from the holy of holies was torn in two. Why? Because Jesus was building a bridge to God where there was a wall that separated most people from him. God said, Jesus says, I've come to build bridges and not walls. I've come to build bridges and not walls. And too many of us Christians, we build walls 
and create a them versus us society. And then we subdivide that. Are you Baptist? Are you Kojic? Are you, you Church of God in Christ? Are you Pentecostal? Well, that ain't how you're supposed to pray, and, and, and that ain't how you're supposed to do this, and that ain't how you, well, if you do it that way, if you don't wear a robe when you preach, I question your preaching. What, you, you ordain women? Are you truly a Christian? Social justice has no place in the church. This is what they say because they're building walls and not building bridges. Finally, final point right here. Good religion encourages, not ignores. Good religion encourages and not ignores. Let's look at Jesus at the, with the woman at the well. She had been ignored for a long time. She had been ignored. She had been judged. She's been ostracized. This is why the Bible says in the middle of the day, she was out getting water. There's a reason why the Bible, the scripture writer, uh, I see my time. Uh, there's a reason why the writer put in there the time of day that she went out to get the water. Because normally people don't go out to get water at that time. There's a certain time of day that they go to get water. This woman was out there getting water in the middle of the day. Why? Because nobody else would be at the well right then. Because they had judged her enough. And she says, I'm going to go where I'm not embarrassed. And guess what happens? I'm going to go where, where I'm not ignored. I'm, I'm going to go where I can go in peace. And guess what happens? Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. And you know what's so significant about Jesus showing up? Is that Jewish people ignored that area. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jewish people avoided going through Samaria because they had so much distaste for these people that they would go what would take them an entire day, an extra day to go around Samaria to get to where they had to go. They would avoid going, when they could go right through, they said, no, 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 I ain't dealing with them messy folk. I'm going to take an extra day to go around where they are because they have been so ignored. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm going where you ignored people. Met this woman at the well, and what did he do? He encouraged her. He told her the truth, but he encouraged her. And he said, go and tell everybody about what just happened. He encouraged her. Why? Because good religion encourages, not ignores. And too many Christians, here it is. Can I, can I be honest? I'm going to say it again. We ignore the problems in our backyard to put a spotlight on the problems of the world. We love international missions. But what about the missions in your neighborhood? Homeless looks, homelessness looks different now. Homelessness is not always somebody sleeping on the street. It's somebody who doesn't have a permanent address. It's somebody that's been sleeping at an extended stay motel because their credit is jacked up and they can't get an apartment on their own, but we're ignoring them. We're going overseas to help build orphanages. We're going overseas to help drain water. And we need to do that, hear me but not at the expense of ignoring those right there in our backyard. We raise all kinds of money to send our teens on these international mission trips. And guess what that money could be used to build a refuge for people right here in your backyard. Good religion encourages, not ignores. So beloved, over these next several weeks, here's what we know. Here's, here's my, here's my goal. 
Here is my goal, in case you're wondering. I heard you ask, well, what is the goal, Pastor B, of this series? The goal is that we redeem what's been misused, abused, misrepresented, and misunderstood. Is that we redeem the authentic Word of God so that we may look like what we sound like. We may look like what we talk about. We may look like who we say we are. And that is my goal and mission over these next several weeks. Don't miss a single week. Now, here it is. There's a starting point for you. Maybe you're on here today and you're saying, man, I, I, I want to hear more about this. This sounds really, really good. And you can join and just listen and maybe take notes and learn something different. But I will tell you, it becomes more authentic when you're in relationship with Jesus. It becomes more applicable when you're in relationship with Jesus. Now, if you're listening just to learn, that's fine. But if you're listening to grow, it starts with relationship with Jesus. And that's what I'd rather you have, growth. So if you want to give your life to Christ today, right, right now online or even in the service, in the service, lift your hand up as a posture of surrender. You want to give your life to Christ today. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're saying, you know what, I want to start this over because I, I, I'm on the side of people that have not represented God well. And I want to press the reset button. If you want to rededicate your life today, lift your hands in the air as a posture of surrender. Lift your hands in the online. I see you. I see hands going up. You want to rededicate. You want to be an authentic representation of Christ. Lift your hand up today. And say these words with me. Say, Father God, forgive me. For I am a sinner in need of your grace. Forgive me, O oh God, for staying away for as long as I've stayed away. Forgive me for not being a good representation of you. I repent. I turn away from my wicked ways. I turn toward you. I ask, O oh God, that you would forgive me, restore me, redeem me, and use me. And I'll be the best example I can be for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, welcome to the family or welcome back home. We're so glad. We're so happy for you. We celebrate you today. We honor you today, all those who made a decision. Now, maybe your story is this. You already are a believer of Christ. You're a part of the heavenly family, but you're not a part of a local family. And you know why God created Adam and Eve? Not so that there could be incredible marriage, but the, the, that, that we can have relationship. He never designed for us to do life by ourselves. So if you are a Christian and you do not have a church home, or maybe you're just searching for, for, for answers, listen, we are available for you right now. You want to be a part of this fellowship? There is a link that I see our people. Thank you to our online hosts, by the way. I'm so grateful for them. But they just put a link up there. Just click that link, and they'll give you some next steps on how you can be a part of this fellowship of believers. And, and listen, don't think because you don't live in Georgia you can't be a member. I have members in other states already. Let me fix that. Sorry, God. God has members that are part of Mosaic Church in other states. So you can still be a part of this fellowship, even from another area. I'm watching you right now. You've been joining me on my prayer. You've been joining me in the sanctuary online. Guess what? Let's make it official. Become a member of Mosaic Church today. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today, beloved? Are you glad you came to church?
now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine may god bless you may god keep you and may the glory of heaven shine upon you have an absolutely amazing day make somebody's life better simply because you exist i'll see you later thank you for joining us today our prayer is that pastor b said something that moves you closer to jesus if you enjoy listening to our podcast we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at mosaic mableton and visit us on our website at we you can learn more information about our church ways to support our ministry through financial donations stay updated on upcoming events and find resources to support your spiritual journey we would be delighted to welcome you in person on sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.